talking about, you know, we're always running ideas back and forth about podcast episodes. And you had mentioned that uh, you asked me about one of the flyers that I put up the other day uh, called, I think it was called uh, the five factors of health. And we labeled uh, these five factors of health in these really short bits, less than a sentence long uh, about each of them. Because one of the things that you mentioned, which was really good, was like, most people consider health from uh, a nutrition perspective and an exercise perspective. Yeah, but there's so much uh, more to it than that. So I think today's a good opportunity to kind of elaborate on those two because they're huge components and then throw in, you know, the uh, the extra stuff that's not, you know, as common as working out and eating well. Yeah, and, you know, I don't pretend that I came up with this. Uh, I'm clear that it's, it's, uh, it's not something that I came up with, but it makes sense. The originator of the concept comes from uh, CrossFit New England. Uh, the owner out there is Ben Bergeron. He's, uh, he's an amazing coach. He's coached uh, two games winners already multiple times. But basically what he did for his communities, he wanted to identify what was these factors of health in the most simplest way possible because as we've said multiple times, the best thing about the internet is the worst thing about the internet and that there's so much information out there that is confusing people. So how do we oversimplify what health means and so people can really get down to the basics? Yeah, that's the best way to learn something is simplify it, get, get it down, narrow it down uh, and make it easily attainable. So what's, what, what was the first one we talked about? Eat. So with eat, um, what I think he did, which was really cool, is he basically even oversimplified paleo, and then he oversimplified it again by the hundred words of fitness. When we talked about that in one of our other podcasts, where we said like nutrition doesn't have to be that hard. Like eat meats and vegetables, right? And the beginning words of the hundred words of fitness: eat meats and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. A support food that will uh, or consume food that will support exercise but not body fat and we said like we could even simplify it into four words yeah what what is it it's uh eat meat and vegetables yep and then he made a good point he says what he simplified even more he says whole foods not too much mostly plants yeah like <laughs> like man like if we can just get that through people's heads like all this other crap is just noise. It's like, it's just really affecting them from executing because the moment they're about to execute, something else comes into the conversation and it stops them versus just simplifying this thing and making it so easy. And this is something since I've known you, you've, what you know, this approach, this philosophy is clean eating and it's a, a great philosophy because it's just simple. Like we can argue all day between like whether you should track your foods or eat clean but for most of the people out there eating simple like this is the best route long term yeah i feel like uh eating clean eating whole foods would uh be a priority over tracking you know you can eat clean and not track and probably get decent results but on the other hand if you track but you're not eating clean you're eating like crap uh, i don't think you'll be able to get results yeah, and I think um, when we talked about when we developed that pyramid for the Great Pyramid of Nutrition, one of the things that we were pretty adamant about is that before we can get into these really complex techniques, which I think are awesome and I think they serve a purpose as well, is that if someone had 
never heard of and not tried real food for 30 days, then that was the only conversation we should be having with these individuals because we were overcomplicating and overpromising something when all they really needed was to eat real food. Yeah, and one of my go-tos lately that if I feel like a client or an athlete isn't you know, understanding that concept of eating clean, what I'll say is, hey, take me through a sample day. What did you eat yesterday from the minute you woke up to the minute you went to bed? And you know, depending on what they tell me, you know, I kind of substitute or add or say, oh, that's a good meal. You know, you hit that on the money for lunch, but dinner you kind of lost a little bit. And I'll say, what I would have done is blah, 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 eat, you know, this instead of that and kind of substitute the meat, the vegetables, the whole foods in replace of what they already ate to kind of give them, you know, a, a concept of, hey, this is what I ate. This, this is what I'm telling him I ate and what I should have ate instead. Yeah, and it goes back to like where like there's calorically dense foods that don't that don't offer value from a nutrition side, and then there's nutritiously uh, voluminous food, which is the real food that is low in calories. Like no one, uh, you know, my statement is no one's ever gained weight off of eating lean meats, fruits, and vegetables. Like if someone's gaining weight, they're doing everything but that. Yeah, I <laughs> agree. Doing everything but that. So. Uh, the initial, the five factors, the first factor is uh, eat. They're talking about eating as a source of nutrition and food, and I think that's the, the best way to simplify it. Yeah, and it's no coincidence he put that first, you know. He put the uh, Bergeron put eating first. Uh, moving on, though, sleep. You know, sleep is another component. I personally probably could get enough, uh, a little bit more, um, but, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, I'm motivated. I feel like if I'm... Uh, sleeping, I'm not, I could be doing something else, you know, I could be staying up a little later working on something business-wise or, you know, perfecting my craft. Um, what are some strategies you use to make sure you get enough sleep? Well, there's just some non-negotiables for me. So there are a couple of days a week that I have to get up at 4 a.m. to coach the first class at 5.30. I have to get up at 4 a.m. because otherwise I'm not awake enough to provide any value to that first class. So you and give yourself, what, at least an hour before you come in contact with anybody else? Before I even speak two words, I mean, literally. Uh, and if I don't give myself that opportunity, then I just feel like I'm doing that first class a disservice, right? Um, so those days I have to get appropriate amount of sleep. I know that by uh, nine o'clock, like there's a ritual. At nine o'clock, I take liquid melatonin, exactly. The TV goes off. So whatever I've done before that moment, the TV goes off. I will either scroll through my news feed on my phone, my Kindle app on my phone, or a book that I have in my dresser. And I just sit there and shoot the sh until I literally get drowsy. And that's it. It works when I do it. The moment I stop doing that is the moment I drag out the sleep. I kept the TV on for an extra half hour, watched another episode. Uh, instead of reading something that was going to tire me, I got onto social media or something like that. It always and definitely keeps me up uh, longer than if I didn't do those things. So you basically establish a routine, and you know, like you could just call it a non-negotiable, where you have a specific time, and you know, you do what you gotta do to get to sleep. That's good, man. Uh, you know, I probably find myself kind of doing whatever late at night, and it's probably not. Uh, a good way to wind down you know I'll catch myself doing multiple things and uh, maybe it's like overstimulation too close to bed mm -hmm. you know I'm interacting no doubt 
and there's no. no doubt that's what it is dude so you don't have a ritual or could you say that the moments that you know that you do sleep well that there might be an accidental ritual built in there that you don't even realize yeah, I actually just bought those uh, those blue light blockers, nice glasses. So I've been rocking those lately. Uh, do you use anything like that? Because you mentioned you're on your phone. You don't think that blue light kind of keeps you awake, or no? Well, the new iPhones have the the dark night setting. So basically, I don't know how it do, does it, but it literally turns it removes the blue tint and just turns it yellow. So you get this ye yellow. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Is that the same thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's this same serves exact, the same purpose. Yeah, but I'm looking into the TV and stuff, and that that doesn't have that. So that's why I got the, got the glasses. Got it. I would say, dude, turn off your damn TV about half an hour before you know you have to get to bed to get it in. He says, uh, for yeah, sleep, I was just gonna ask you, what's an appropriate number? You know, everyone should shoot for in regards to how many hours a night. The range is seven to nine. I've heard uh, on one of his podcasts, he's. He, he's recommended uh, athletes to get up to 11 to 12 hours of sleep. His athletes, but these guys That's are living the dream, though. Five, six hours. Yeah, this is all they're doing. Yeah. But seven to nine on average. And one of the things that he says that's eye-opening, he says every night. And the idea there, and, and the studies have shown this as well, that you can't make up for loss of sleep, right? Because think about it. What most people do is they get terrible sleep on the weekdays, and on the weekends when catch they don't have to the work, weekends. they try to catch up. And that's not a sustainable lifestyle for how the body actually uh, uh, reacts to sleep. It has to be consistent to serve its purpose. Now, on days you don't coach at 5.30 a.m., are you still going to sleep around the same Pretty time? Pretty darn close. Yeah. And it's not necessarily going to sleep, it's also getting up. Because if you think about it, like the sensation of getting groggy and feeling like you need to go to sleep is based on how many hours you've been awake as well. So if I didn't have to get up, I wouldn't let myself sleep in to nine because and then it's dragged out my activity level, right? Like when I get to bed by nine and I'm winding down by 9.30, 9.45, I'm just exhausted because I've been up so early. I also have, uh, I also don't have a choice, Brett, because yeah. <laughs> Liam is up at 6.30 every morning, dude. So that's almost like my second alarm clock. Like he's gonna get me up and get me moving whether I'm up at that time or not. So, and I enjoy being up with him where I give Ashley a little bit more opportunity to sleep. Um, but it it's, it's has to be built up to very similar timing throughout the week. And I think the more people do that, the less struggle they're gonna have with that. Um, but like you said, it, it, it takes, for me, it's a non-negotiable. And that's, I don't wanna be miserable the next day. And I know if I'm not getting that sleep, even my sleep at 9.30 to 4 a.m. is like six hours, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, seven hours. So it's barely making it. And that's my eyes closed, rapid eye, like passed out by then. And I'm not, it takes me a while. Yeah, that's probably the biggest takeaway of that segment is uh, establish your routine. Establish your routine, try to keep it consistent throughout the week, and don't try to play catch-up on the weekend. One of the other things I recommend, I, do, I have not done it yet. I've heard amazing things about it because I don't think I struggle with sleep. I know when it's time to go to bed, it's time to pass out. Is There's a lot of trackers right now. Uh, I know of a few highly rated apps on the phone where you set the app up. You don't need a watch for it. I don't wear a watch. Uh, and you put the, the phone under your bed, and it'll, it'll tell you how much sleep you're getting by tossing and turning and things like that. So... Uh, for someone who is even if like even if you think you're not getting enough sleep if you're on the fence like I don't know do I get enough sleep you're probably not getting enough sleep 
I think it's a good opportunity for the next seven days or so to do something like that to really just be an eye opener. It's like what you said, like most people don't know that they don't have good quality food in their diet until you say, hey, well, let me see one of your days, right? Yeah. And if someone can track that out for seven days for sleep, I bet you they'll, they'll be an aha moment. Like, yeah, you dang. can do something similar tracking your sleep. What time uh, did you go to bed? What time did you wake up? We can track everything. And I think if we're going to put that as a, as a health factor, uh, people that want to take it seriously, I think they should track it for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, moving on, we got training. Uh, you know, what is a good amount of days to be training, uh, so to speak? Is that, you know, uh, does that differentiate between, you know, how deep you are in the training game, mm. uh, how new you are into trying to get exercising? You know, what's a, what's a good foundation on average to recommend, you know, our listeners to get training per week? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 goes back to context. You know, we say, like, in our training, no one's going to get hurt whether they're training three days a week or seven days a week because our coaching style allows for us to be able to moderate intensity and scale things back. For us, for me, intensity about is about under recovery. And that's, we can't have people soar that long that often. And so when a newbie comes in, I'm not necessarily concerned about moderating their days of training for injury because I know like that's not the case when they're coming in it's how extremely sore these individuals are going to be that's going to control their recovery period right like we want them coming in fresh to their next training program because if you think about it people get injured not because they do something stupid it's because they're under recovered coming into training right when you hurt your back what happened that moment earlier you had said man, I just didn't feel well, right? It wasn't like, f- like a freak accident, you rounded your back and pulled it. It was like you were under-recovered, didn't feel right, something wasn't right, then you came into training. Um, and you're an advanced athlete. Some people need to back off training, right? That's where they talk about tapering off someone's or training. Or a deload week, right? Or a deload week. That's for advanced athletes to beginners. This is, hey, the, if someone's performance is getting worse, but in training they're putting in a lot of volume, they're overtrained. They yeah. need to back down. It just comes down to how you feel. You know, uh, a common question I get is, hey, how many days should I train just starting out? And my answer every time is, hey, how do, you know, go by how you feel. You know, if you train two days a week um, and you're thinking about coming a third day, if you feel good, come in and work out. You know, but you get to two days in, you feel beat up, you know, super, super sore to feel like any additional training would do you more harm than good. Then take a day or two off, see how you feel, and come back the next week. Yeah, this recommendation is five times a week, constantly varied functional movements and high intensity. So it's basically CrossFit done five days a week. I think that's for the higher level. I don't even train five days a week at my current state. I don't CrossFit five days a week. Right, and no. you have other days where you're saying, hey, I'm just doing I'm doing splits today or um, there's no intensity. Like we're literally not using the clock. I think uh, we're so ingrained to use the clock that we think of we we're not using the clock that day that we're not getting a good training session so we really have to uh, help individuals understand that some days they should just come in the gym and move lightly work on some skill acquisition uh and just move a little bit i mean i've seen you do mobility for a half hour just just working on your body um i think if someone's really if they if i could if i had to give a recommendation i would say go one on two off initially That'll put you at three to four days a week, depending on the week. Then I would go one on, one off. 
and then you just you invert this relationship you can go two on one off and then max peak uh, our recommendation three on one off. I think once you get to the fourth day, there's a huge reduction in performance. Uh, and that's the range, right? We can give that to them. And so how do we know if it works for them? Start modest, work through it. How are their recovery times? If they can come 24 hours later and feel completely fresh, then maybe it's time to add another day in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, but everyone's different, dude. I know members that go one on, one off incessantly. They haven't changed for years. And there are other people that go five on, two off, right? So. It doesn't work for them ultimately. Yeah, I think you know the hard part. Some people come up with is staying out of the gym. You know, if they're not inside working out, they feel like you know they should be because um, they're they might feel a little lazy or they're not getting to their goals, you know, as fast as they would like. But you just mentioned skill acquisition is something good that you can do. Try to get better at something that's not really beating you up. Training, you know, mm -hmm. Bergeron always says practice compared to training. Training is when you're you know inside the gym trying to get bigger, stronger, faster practice is picking something and trying to get a little better at you know maybe if you're trying to get better at a skill on olympic lifting you'll mess around with an empty barbell if you come in here you do a bunch mm -hmm. of snatches and clean and jerks with an empty barbell you're getting good technique practice but you're not going to get beat up and sore from that That's if anything really it might loosen you up yeah uh, or, or muscle ups you know try to practice a muscle up or a handstand or double unders just practicing that skill is not going to get you beat up but you're still using your time productively and you're still getting that you know, fulfillment of being inside the gym, not wasting time. Yeah, the irony is that that movement actually helps in recovery. Um, most people who get that sore post-training, they just think that they should just lay Sit around. Bed. Yeah, and it's probably one of the worst things you can do. Yeah, no, you definitely want to get back in there, move a little bit, you know, and then there's also ways to have an active recovery day. You know, come in, do some light cardio, move a little bit, you know, stretch a little bit, and you're still in, inside the gym, so you're still getting that fulfillment of being productive, mm -hmm. okay? But you're not further beating yourself up because you're you're sore from training the, the previous day. Yeah, no, it's really good, and um, it's a constant change. Just like we change our workouts, they should change those volumes around. When people are feeling good, attack it, go for it, right? That goes to our recommendations about on a strength day. It says uh, three rep max. I don't say three a three RM. I said let's build up to the heaviest three that you got today. Yeah, that might become your three rep max, or you're not even close to it because you don't feel right. And that's where they're gonna self awareness is key, and it's really hard to teach that. It takes a lot of years to to learn your body. We're still learning our bodies, uh, so but we want to we want to build their self awareness, right? Because if someone doesn't even know what works for them currently, then we we need to figure that out. I feel like it's a perfect segue. You know, you just mentioned self-awareness the first three components we talk is more physically you know doing these you know you're eating you're sleeping you're training the last two uh, components of health is more a mental aspect right yeah the next the fourth component is a really good one and uh it's think he describes it as uh never whining never complaining never making excuses and to do all those things it, it takes uh, a a continuous thought process to choose the the contrast the opposite it's quite easy to complain and to make excuses um, it's really easy until you tell yourself to stop doing it yeah it's just you know self-talk you know self-talk uh, you know keeping a positive mindset about the entire process and enjoy it mentally why you decide to do this you know go back to your why why do you decide to you know follow this healthy lifestyle mm -hmm. how what made you decide to commit to better yourself 
you know, obviously physically and mentally through, you know, health. Well, yeah, and you you mentioned something. So, like, for me, an example of whining was, like, a member comes into the gym. They didn't look at their workout. They come and see it, and the first thing they say is, if I knew that was the workout, I wouldn't have shown up. And so for me, I have to think, why are they thinking that, right? Because the, the statement alone says something very evident, right? Which is they don't like it because they're not good at it. Yeah, and the mindset you need to have is an opportunity to work at a weakness and get a little bit better. And that's perspective. And I think that when we get into those negative uh views of certain things we really got to change the perspective we have to ask why why am i feeling this way like why am i making excuse why i can't drop the 10 pounds i said i was going to drop in the new year why can't i follow through on eating real food for 30 days like is digging in why fighting through the excuses because they're so easy to make and really dig deep if we really want to make the lifestyle changes that are going to benefit our health yeah it's just being you know tough mentally uh, look back at all the components we just went over and, and you got to have uh, the mental toughness to be disciplined and be consistent with that day in and day out because there's going to be days where life gets in the way but if you look back on you know your goals on what you want to do it's up to you to stay tough mentally to you know put that on the top of your priority list mm-hmm. you know and you decided to commit yourself towards this so it takes day in and day out to stay tough you know mentally to practice that daily and consistently. Yeah, the 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 comparison I make is like when when we're in our training, like we tell people to have an expectation that somewhere through the workout it's going to get hard and that forever for our training, it will always be some type of struggle. That's the whole point. It is never ever going to disappear. And likewise, the idea that you're not never going to complain or that you're not going to like tend to make excuses, those will never disappear. We're just trying to be the better person. We're trying to grow by trying to make those thoughts less prevalent prevalent in our life. And if we can do that, I feel like we'll, we'll find ourselves more consistently or happier. We'll find ourselves doing the things we love to do because we, we're, we're just controlling those thoughts much more. Those thoughts were always going to be there. Uh, it's about just letting them go as they come in versus attaching to it. Yeah, it's not a matter of if you know these thoughts present themselves. It's a matter of when. And like I you know, can go back to, if your why is big enough, then you'll overcome these obstacles every single time. Yeah, and that's one of the things we talk about in intro is like, but we, we, the, the question we asked during, uh, our when our prospects come in to, to, to entertain the conversation about being a member is we say, what would make you really happy a year from now uh, training at our facility? And they'll say something like, well, I want to lose 30 pounds. I want to be toned. And then so we start digging in deeper. Like, why do you want to lose 30 pounds? Well, uh, you know, I just feel like I'm really tired. Well, what what's wrong with being tired like that well I don't have time like I don't have enough energy to play with my kids and then so now we're digging into yeah, the why exactly you're establishing their why you're giving them a vision you know one of my go-to's is hey you know imagine looking at yourself in the mirror six months a year from now and you looking at you know the the physique the body that that you know you came in here today to work towards you know you just got to become almost obsessed mm. with getting there to where every action along the way aligns towards that vision and it almost just formed a vision of them looking themselves in the mirror 
you know, and it, it's been working well for me. It's getting them motivated, so. Yeah, and it's believing before it actually comes true and following through on that. I like that. It goes into mantras and positive self-talk and a lot of those things that get us through as competitive athletes. Yeah, just establish that vision and every, every single thing you do pertains to that vision. You know, you, you make a decision every single day. That decision is either getting you closer to those goals or farther away from those goals. And if you make more decisions that get you closer, you'll eventually reach them. That's good, man. That's really powerful. And, and what's the last one, Brett? Last one, we just got connect, you know, connect through relationships. Uh, you know, this, you know, really hits hard as far as the CrossFit uh, doing it with a group, you know. It's, you know, build relationships, whether it's inside, outside of the class. You know, it's almost making it a team effort um, leading towards, you know, your health and fitness goals. Yeah, he says to build, sustain, and grow deep relationships. And I think that's the power when someone says, oh, it's just our gym is awesome, our community is awesome. Basically what they're trying to say without really saying it or knowing how to say it is that our, that our gym connects the best. Right, the, the people around are comfortable around each other. We connect, we applaud, we cheer. That's what they're trying to say by connect. And I think that's what CrossFit has done is really well is to, con- to make that connection at high intensity and group fitness classes. Like CrossFit, is, the fitness program is really effective, but it's not as effective if you do it alone versus doing that same thing in a group atmosphere, it, it's completely different. It's a support system. You're a lot of a lot of times people fail on their health and fitness goals because they might not have support. You know, uh, so Sally Joe signs up for our gym. You know, she's ready to work out, but she goes home and then her spouse is eating McDonald's or her, you know, uh, you know, there's a bunch of junk food inside her house. She's got different goals than the people around. But you go into a group class, everyone else has the same like-minded goals of trying to get healthier and more fit. So it's kind of, you know, we have our support system in that specific class that specific day. But CrossFit as a whole is one big community, so to speak, and it's one big support system. We all have very like-minded goals. So us as a unit, you know, so to speak, a CrossFitter um, as a unit with all other CrossFitters around is more likely to fulfill those goals because they have the support system around us. Yeah, and I think that we, we can never forget that. Um, one of the saddest things for me to see is an individual who falls in love with the community and then forgets about the community to, to, to train incessantly and then to find themselves training alone. And there's nothing more sad than that because the thing that they fell in love with uh, becomes a source of, of, of strain for them because they would rather train by themselves. Yeah, now if, if you... If you tell me you can train alone just as hard as you can train with somebody else next to you, I'll call you a liar. Straight yeah, up. it's not possible. The, the connection to human beings is what, what makes the quality of life so much better. Um, I gave my wife an analogy the other day, or I gave her a test. I said, I want you to think, Brett, right now, if you woke up tomorrow and you got everything, think about everything you've ever wanted everything you've ever wanted in life and you woke up tomorrow and you got that but you can only get it if you lived on an island on a deserter a deserted island all by yourself it's not worth it it now it loses its meaning because the meaning of those things are in relation to the people around you it's that i could i could 
you know, provide, I'd have money to provide for my family, or I'd buy this big house so we can all share and have weekend parties, or like I'd have this big gym so I can help everybody in the community work out. The value of those material things are only in relation to you can the share it with others. That's and that's, that's where the connect, I think we're connecting as we forget. And I forget sometimes too, because it takes work to, to, um, to build relationships, to sustain and grow those relationships. There's, it requires a vulnerability, requires you to be honest. There are moments where there's conflict, right? We have a unique relationship and just like I had with Kirk and that's, we're friends. I'm your boss, you're a coach. We are competitors and athletes against each other. Um, we are mentors to each other. And so we have all these roles, but if we're not constantly connecting, they mean nothing because we're doing them all by themselves. I. I said this the other day, I do not want to run my gym by myself. I have, there's no desire that I had to run that by myself. I didn't do that to do it by myself. I wanted to give other people the opportunity to share in what we're doing, which is use our passion to express ourselves. Um, there's nothing that makes me happier when people are coming through the gym and they don't even know who the owner is because that means that every all the other coaches are able to connect with the community enough to know that no matter who's there, they're well taken care of. Yeah, I love that, man. You know, uh, we're trying to build the, the brand of, of the gym. You know, we're trying to build Naples Strength and Conditioning up. And, uh, we, you know, we've got a good formula of what we, we got going over there. And if we can do our best at, you know, getting people in to show what we can offer them as mm -hmm. a gym and not as Coach Brett or Coach Mario, then I, I think we really hit the nail on the head. I agree, buddy. And I, uh, that's the vision. That's the goal. And, I, I, you know, I said this all the time. If someone can take that and what I have and do it greater than me, there you go. Yeah, take it for sure. I'm I'm humble. I'm I'm, I'm humble enough to to recognize that. Yeah, cool, man. I think it's good. Uh, just good time to make a little quick recap of everything. You know, five factors of health. We got eat, sleep, train, think, and most importantly, I think we got the most deepest on is connect. Yeah, dude. And it's if we can just simplify life to those five things, the quality of our life will exponentially grow. I truly believe that because we're taking a holistic approach to health and we're taking it into our everyday life. And th these five factors are the way to do that, I believe. No doubt, man. Good stuff. Till next time. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate it. See you.